Welcome to this week in surgery your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This week in surgery has you covered. Our podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the surgical field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. This week in surgery we will be discussing articles published in September 2023 issues. First, Annals of Surgery. Lifestyle optimization leads to superior liver regeneration in live liver donors and decreases early allograft dysfunction in recipients, a randomized control trial. Introduction The aim of the current randomized control trial was to assess the efficacy of donor lifestyle optimization on liver regeneration and outcome following live donor liver transplantation. Methods Live liver donors, LLDs, who were fit with no or minimal steatosis were randomized to receive either a customized low-calorie diet with calorie intake equaling their basal requirement along with exercise for two weeks before surgery versus to continue their normal routine lifestyle. Primary objectives were the difference in the day of normalization of serum bilirubin and PT international normalized ratio and the percentage growth of the liver at postoperative day 7 and 14. Secondary objectives were differences in intraoperative liver biopsy, liver regeneration markers, blood loss, hospital stay, the complication rate in LLDs, and rates of early graft dysfunction, EGD, in recipients. Results 62 consecutive LLDs were randomized, 28 in intervention versus 34 in control. Baseline parameters and graft parameters were similar in both groups. LLDs in the intervention arm had significantly decreased calorie intake, P less than 0.005, Abdominal girth, P less than 0.005, BMI, P equals 0.05, and weight, P less than 0.0005. The mean blood loss, P equals 0.038, day of normalization of bilirubin, P equals 0.005, and international normalized ratio, P equals 0.061, postoperative peak aspartate transaminase, P equals 0.003, alanine transaminase, P equals 0.025, and steatosis, P less than 0.005, were significantly less in the intervention group. There was significantly higher volume regeneration, P equals 0.03, in donors in the intervention arm. The levels of TNF-alpha, IL-6 and IL-10 levels were significantly higher, while the TGF-beta level was lower in donors in the intervention group. The rate of EGD was significantly higher in recipients in the control group, P equals 0.043. Conclusion Lifestyle optimization of LLD is simple to comply with, improves liver regeneration in LLDs, and decreases EGD in recipients, thus can enhance donor safety and outcomes in live donor liver transplantation. Second article, Prophylactic Mesh Placement During Formation of an End Colostomy, Long-Term Randomized Controlled Trial on Effectiveness and Safety. Objective. The aim of this study was to determine if prophylactic mesh placement is an effective, safe, and cost-effective procedure to prevent peristomal hernia, PSH, formation in the long term. Background. 
A PSH is the most frequent complication after stoma formation. Prophylactic placement of a mesh has been suggested to prevent PSH, but long-term evidence to support this approach is scarce. Methods In this multicenter superiority trial patients undergoing the formation of a permanent colostomy were randomly assigned to either retromuscular polypropylene mesh reinforcement or conventional colostomy formation. Primary endpoint was the incidence of a PSH after 5 years. Secondary endpoints were morbidity, mortality, quality of life, and cost-effectiveness. Results A total of 150 patients were randomly assigned to the mesh group, N equals 72 or non-mesh group, N equals 78. For the long-term follow-up, 113 patients were analyzed, and 37 patients were lost to follow-up. After a median follow-up of 60 months, interquartile range, 48.6 to 64.4, 49 patients developed a PSH, 20, 27.8%, in the mesh group and 29, 37.2%, in the non-mesh group, P equals 0.22, RD, minus 9.4%, 95% C, minus 24, 5.5. The cost related to the meshing strategy was 2.239 euros lower than the non-mesh strategy, 95% C, 491.18, 3985.49, and quality adjusted life years did not differ significantly between groups, P equals 0.959. 95% C, minus 0.066, 0.070. Conclusions Prophylactic mesh placement during the formation of an end colostomy is a safe procedure but does not reduce the incidence of PSH after 5 years of follow-up. It does, however, delay the onset of PSH without a significant difference in morbidity, mortality, or quality of life, and seems to be cost-effective. Third article. Efficacy of strategies intended to prevent surgical site infection after lower limb revascularization surgery, a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. Objective. The objective of this study is to evaluate the efficacy of strategies intended to prevent surgical site infection, SSI, after lower limb revascularization surgery. Background. SSIs are common, Costly complications of lower limb revascularization surgery associated with significant morbidity and mortality. Methods We searched Medline, InBase, Central, and Evidence-Based Medicine Reviews, inception to April 28, 2022. Two investigators independently screened abstracts and full-text articles, extracted data, and assessed the risk of bias. We included randomized controlled trials, RCTs, that evaluated strategies intended to prevent SSI after lower limb revascularization surgery for peripheral artery disease. We used random effects models to pool data and grade to assess certainty. Results Among 6,258 identified citations, we included 26 RCTs, and equals 4752 patients, that evaluated 12 strategies to prevent SSI. Pre-incision antibiotics, risk ratio, RR equals 0.25, 95% C, 0.11 to 0.57, N equals 4 studies, I2 statistic equals 7.1%, high certainty, and incisional negative pressure wound therapy, input, 
RR equals 0.54, 95% C, 0.38 to 0.78, N equals 5 studies, I2 statistic equals 7.2%, high certainty, reduced pooled risk of early, less than or equal to 30 days, SSI. Input also reduced the risk of longer term, greater than 30 days, SSI, pooled RR equals 0.44, 95% C, 0.26 to 0.73, N equals 2 studies, I2 equals 0%, low certainty. Strategies with uncertain effects on risk of SSI included pre-incision ultrasound vein mapping, RR equals 0.58, 95% C, 0.33 to 1.01, and equals 1 study, transverse groin incisions, RR equals 0.33, 95% C, 0.097 to 1.15, and equals 1 study, antibiotic bonded prosthetic bypass grafts, RR equals 0.74. 95% C, 0.44 to 1.25, N equals 1 study, N equals 257 patients, and postoperative oxygen administration, RR equals 0.66, 95% C, 0.42 to 1.03, N equals 1 study, low certainty for all. Conclusions Pre-incision antibiotics and input reduce the risk of early SSI after lower limb revascularization surgery. Confirmatory trials are required to determine whether other promising strategies also reduce SSI risk. Next article is from JAMA Surgery. Trial participation and outcomes among English-speaking and Spanish-speaking patients with appendicitis randomized to antibiotics A secondary analysis of the CODA randomized clinical trial. Important Spanish-speaking participants are underrepresented in clinical trials, limiting study generalizability and contributing to ongoing health inequity. Objective to describe trial participation and compare clinical and patient reported outcomes among Spanish-speaking and English-speaking participants with acute appendicitis randomized to antibiotics. Design, setting, and participants This study is a secondary analysis of the CODA trial, a pragmatic randomized trial comparing antibiotic therapy with appendectomy in adult patients with imaging-confirmed appendicitis enrolled at 25 centers across the U.S. from May 1, 2016 to February 28, 2020. The trial was conducted in English and Spanish. All 776 participants randomized to antibiotics are included in this analysis. The data were analyzed from November 15, 2021, through August 24, 2022. Intervention randomization to a 10-day course of antibiotics or appendectomy. Main outcomes and measures trial participation, European quality of life 5 dimensions, EQ5D, Questionnaire scores, higher scores indicating a better health status, rate of appendectomy, treatment satisfaction, decisional regret, and days of work missed. Outcomes are also reported for a subset of participants that were recruited from the five sites with a large proportion of Spanish-speaking participants. Results among eligible patients 476 of 1,050 Spanish speakers, 45%, and 1,076 of 3,982 of English speakers, 27%, consented, comprising the 1,552 participants who underwent one-to-one randomization, mean age, 38.0 years, 976 male, 
Of the 776 participants randomized to antibiotics, 238 were Spanish-speaking, 31%. Among Spanish speakers randomized to antibiotics, the rate of appendectomy was 22%, 95% C, 17% to 28%, at 30 days and 45%, 95% C, 38% to 52%, at 1 year, while in English speakers, these rates were 20%, 95% C, 16% to 23%, at 30 days and 42%, 95% C, 38% to 47%, at 1 year. Mean EQ5D scores were 0.93, 95% C, 0.92 to 0.95, among Spanish speakers and 0.92, 95% C, 0.91 to 0.93, among English speakers. Symptom resolution at 30 days was reported by 68%, 95% C, 61% to 74%, of Spanish speakers and 69%, 95% C, 64% to 73% of English speakers. Spanish speakers missed 6.69, 95% C, 5.51 to 7.87 days of work on average, while English speakers missed 3.76, 95% C, 3.20 to 4.32 days. Presentation to the emergency department or urgent care, hospitalization, treatment dissatisfaction, and decisional regret were low for both groups. Conclusions A high proportion of Spanish speakers participated in the CODA trial. Clinical and most patient reported outcomes were similar for English and Spanish-speaking participants treated with antibiotics. Spanish speakers reported more days of missed work. Second article. Time interval between the end of neoadjuvant therapy and elective resection of locally advanced rectal cancer in the Kronos study. Importance of treatment for extraperitoneal locally advanced rectal cancer, LARC, is neoadjuvant therapy, NAT, followed by total mesorectal excision, TME. Robust evidence on the optimal time interval between NAT completion and surgery is lacking. Objective to assess the association of time interval between NAT completion and TME with short and long-term outcomes. It was hypothesized that longer intervals increase the pathologic complete response, PCR, rate without increasing perioperative morbidity. Design, setting, and participants This cohort study included patients with LARC from six referral centers who completed NAT and underwent TME between January 2005 and December 2020. The cohort was divided into three groups depending on the time interval between NAT completion and surgery, short, less than or equal to 8 weeks, intermediate, greater than 8 and less than or equal to 12 weeks, and long, greater than 12 weeks. The median follow-up duration was 33 months. Data analyzes were conducted from May 1, 2021, to May 31, 2022. The inverse probability of treatment weighting method was used to homogenize the analysis groups. Exposure long-course chemoradiotherapy or short-course radiotherapy with delayed surgery. Main outcome and measures the primary outcome was PCR. Other histopathologic results, perioperative events, and survival outcomes constituted the secondary outcomes. Results among the 1,506 patients, 908 were male, 60.3%, and the median, IQR, age was 68.8, 59.4 to 76.5, years. 
The short, intermediate, and long interval groups included 511 patients, 33.9%, 797 patients, 52.9%, and 198 patients, 13.1%, respectively. The overall PCR was 17.2%, 259 of 1,506 patients, 95% C, 15.4% to 19.2%. When compared with the intermediate interval group, no association was observed between time intervals and PCR in short interval, odds ratio or 0.74, 95% C, 0.55 to 1.01, and long interval or 1.07. 95% C, 0.73 to 1.61 groups. The long interval group was significantly associated with lower risk of bad response, tumor regression grade, TRG, 2 to 3, or 0.47, 95% C, 0.24 to 0.91, systemic recurrence, hazard ratio, 0.59, 95% C, 0.36 to 0.96, higher conversion risk, or 3.14, 95% C, 1.62 to 6.07, minor postoperative complications, or 1.43, 95% C, 1.04 to 1.97, an incomplete mesorectum, or 1.89, 95% C, 1.02 to 3.50, when compared with the intermediate interval group. Conclusions and relevance time intervals longer than 12 weeks were associated with improved TRG and systemic recurrence but may increase surgical complexity and minor morbidity. Next article is from British Journal of Surgery. Clinical and Cost Outcomes of a Polyethylene Glycol, PEG-Coated Patch versus Drainage after Axillary Lymph Node Dissection in Breast Cancer, Results from a Multicenter Randomized Clinical Trial. Background The aim of this study was to compare the clinical outcomes between breast cancer patients who underwent axillary lymph node dissection with postoperative management using a polyethylene glycol-coated patch versus axillary drainage. The direct costs associated with both postoperative management strategies were also evaluated. Methods This was a multicenter RCT in women with breast cancer who underwent axillary lymph node dissection, clinicaltrials.gov identifier, NCT 04487561. Patients were randomly assigned, 1, 1, to receive either drainage or a polyethylene glycol-coated patch as postoperative management. The primary endpoints were the need for an emergency department visit for any event related to the surgery and the rate of seroma development. Results A total of 227 patients were included, 115 in the patch group, 50.7%, and 112, 29.4%, in the drainage group. The incidence of emergency department visits was significantly greater for patients with drainage versus a polyethylene glycol-coated patch incidence rate difference 26.1%, 95% CI 14.5 to 37.7%, P less than 0.001. Conversely, the seroma rate was significantly higher in the polyethylene glycol-coated patch group, incidence rate difference 22.8%, 95% CI 6.7 to 38.9%, P less than 0.0055. Compared with drainage, 
using a polyethylene glycol coated patch resulted in cost savings of 100 euros and 41 cents per patient. An incremental cost-effectiveness ratio analysis found that drainage was associated with an incremental cost-effectiveness ratio of 7,594 euros and 40 cents for no need for hospital admission and 491 euros and 70 cents for no need for an emergency department visit. Conclusion Compared with patients who received drainage after axillary lymph node dissection, the use of a polyethylene glycol-coated patch resulted in a higher rate of seroma, but a lower number of postoperative outpatient or emergency department visit, and thus a reduction in overall costs. Second article Acute Aortic Syndrome, Nationwide Study of Epidemiology, Management and Outcomes Background Epidemiological studies on acute aortic syndrome, AAS, have relied largely on unverified administrative coding, leading to wide-ranging estimates of incidence. This study aimed to evaluate the incidence, management, and outcomes of OS in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Methods This was a national population-based retrospective study of patients presenting with an index admission of OS from 2010 to 2020. Cases from the Ministry of Health National Minimum Dataset National Mortality Collection, and the Australasian Vascular Audit were cross-verified with hospital notes. Poisson regression adjusted for sex and age was used to investigate trends over time. Results During the study interval, 1,295 patients presented to hospital with confirmed OS, including 790 with type A, 61.0%, and 505 with type B, 39.0%, OS. A total of 290 patients died out of hospital between 2010 and 2018. The overall incidence of aortic dissection including out-of-hospital cases was 3.13, CI 2.96 to 3.30, for 100 person years, and this increased by an average of 3, CI 1 to 6, percent per year after adjustment for age and sex adjustment on Poisson regression, driven by increasing type A cases. Age standardized rates of disease were higher in men, and in Maori and Pacific populations. The management strategies used, and 30-day mortality rates among patients with type A, 31.9%, and B, 9.7%, disease have remained constant over time. Conclusion Next article is from Journal of Vascular Surgery. Spinal drain-related complications after complex endovascular aortic repair using a prophylactic automated volume-directed drainage protocol. Objective A common measure to lower the risk for spinal cord ischemia, SCI, during complex endovascular aortic repair, SAVAR, is prophylactic cerebrospinal fluid drainage, CSFD. This method has caused controversy because of drain-related complications. Spinal drains are usually pressure-directed. The objective of this study was to evaluate the risk of CSFD-related complications and SCI within the context of an automated volume-directed drain protocol. Methods This is a retrospective, single-center study of Alsovars with CSFD at a tertiary vascular center between January 2014 and December 2020. Demographics, complications, and spinal drain data were recorded. All drainages were volume-based using an automatic drainage system, LiquoGuard 7, Muller Medical GmbH. 
Spinal drain complications were categorized as disabling and non-disabling according to the modified Rankin scale. The primary endpoint was any CSFD-related complication. Results A total of 448 of our patients were identified, of whom 147, 32.8%, had prophylactic CSFD. The mean age was 69 years, 63% male. The most common pathology, 61%, was thoracoabdominal aortic aneurysm, and the most common procedure was branched EVR, 55.1%. 18, 12.2%, patients developed a CSFD-related complication, whereof 3, 2%, were disabling. 19, 13%, patients developed SCI, 12, 8.4%, paraparetic, 5, 3.4%, paraplegic and 2, 1.4%, paresthesias. Of these, 13, 68%, had full reversal of symptoms, whereas 6 patients, 4%, had residual symptoms and were deemed disabling. Drain-related complications were more common in patients with SCI, 31.6%, compared with those without, 9.4%, P equals 0.014. In the latter group, only 2 patients, 1.6%, developed a disabling drain-related complication. Conclusions Selective use of prophylactic, automated volume-directed CSFD in patients at high risk for SCI was associated with a high incidence of complications and should be used with caution. Among those developing SCI, reversal was achieved frequently with increased CSFD volume, but at the price of more bleeding complications. Next article is from Surgical Endoscopy. Does surgeon sex and anthropometry matter for tool usability in traditional laparoscopic surgery? A systematic review and meta-analysis. Introduction. Hand size, strength, and stature all impact a surgeon's ability to perform traditional laparoscopic surgery, TLS, comfortably and effectively. This is due to limitations in instrument and operating room design. This article aims to review performance, pain, and tool usability data based on biological sex and anthropometry. Methods PubMed, InBase, and Cochrane databases were searched in May 2023. Retrieved articles were screened based on whether a full-text, English article was available in which original results were stratified by biological sex or physical proportions. Article quality was discussed using the Mixed Methods Appraisal Tool, MMAT. Data were summarized in three main themes, task performance, physical discomfort, and tool usability and fit. Task completion times, pain prevalence, and grip style results between male and female surgeons form three meta-analyses. Results A total of 1,354 articles were sourced, and 54 were deemed suitable for inclusion. The collated results showed that female participants, predominantly novices, took 2.6 to 30.1 s longer to perform standardized laparoscopic tasks. Female surgeons reported pain at double the frequency of their male colleagues. Female surgeons and those with a smaller glove size were consistently more likely to report difficulty and require modified, potentially suboptimal, grip techniques with standard laparoscopic tools. Conclusions the pain and stress reported by female or small-handed surgeons when using laparoscopic tools demonstrates the need for currently available instrument handles, including robotic hand controls, 
to become more size inclusive. However, this study is limited by reporting bias and inconsistencies. Furthermore, most data was collected in a simulated environment. Additional research into how anthropometric tool design impacts the live operating performance of experienced female surgeons would further inform this area of investigation. Next article is from Annals of Surgical Oncology. Impact of Food Insecurity on Outcomes Following Resection of Hepatopancreaticobiliary Cancer Introduction Food insecurity, PHI, may predispose individuals to suboptimal nutrition, leading to chronic disease and poor health outcomes. We sought to assess the impact of county-level PHI on postoperative outcomes among patients undergoing resection of hepatopancreaticobiliary HPB, cancer. Methods Patients who were diagnosed with HPB cancer between 2010 and 2015 were identified from the Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results, SER Medicare Database. Data on annual county-level PHI were obtained from the Feeding America, Mapping the Meal Gap Report and were categorized into turtles. Textbook outcome was defined as no extended length of stay, perioperative complications, 90-day readmission, and 90-day mortality. Multiple logistic regression and Cox regression models were used to assess outcomes and survival relative to PHI. Results Among 49,882 patients, hepatocellular, N equals 11,937, 23.9%, intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, N equals 2,111, 4.2%, extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, N equals 4,047, 8.1%, gallbladder, N equals 2,853, 5.7%, pancreatic, N equals 28,934, 58.0%, 6,702, 13.4%, patients underwent a surgical resection. Median age was 75 years, interquartile range 69 to 82, and most patients were male, N equals 25,767, 51.7%, and self-identified as white, and equals 36,381, 72.9%. Overall, 5,291, 10.6%, and 39,664, 79.5%, individuals resided in low or moderate Phi counties, respectively, while 4,927, 9.8%, patients resided in high Phi counties. Achievement of textbook outcome, 2, was 56.3%, and equals 6,702. After adjusting for competing risk factors, patients residing in high-fi counties had lower odds to achieve ADA versus individuals living in low-fi counties, odds ratio 0.69, 95% confidence interval, C, 0.54 to 0.88, P equals 0.003. In addition, patients residing in moderate and high-fi counties had a greater risk of mortality at 1 referent, low-moderate, hazard ratio, HR, 1.09, 95% C 1.05 to 1.14, high, HR 1.14, 95% C 1.08 to 1.213, referent, low-moderate, HR 1.09, 95% C 1.05 to 1.14, high, HR 
95% C1.08 to 1.21 and 5, referent, low, moderate, HR 1.05, 95% C1.01 to 1.09, high, HR 1.07, 95% C1.02 to 1.13, years versus individuals from lo-fi counties. Conclusions Phi was associated with adverse perioperative outcomes and long-term survival following resection of an HPB malignancy. Interventions directed towards mitigating nutritional inequities are needed to improve outcomes among vulnerable HPB populations. Next article is from Obesity Surgery. Factors related to bleeding and leak rates after robotic sleeve gastrectomy. Background. Robotic sleeve gastrectomy has been increasing in annual incidence in recent years. Although rare, post-op bleeding and leak in these cases can lead to significant morbidity, mortality, and healthcare utilization. Objectives. To determine pre-op comorbidity risk factors and operative techniques associated with risk of bleeding or leak within 30 days of robotic sleeve gastrectomy. Methods The MSACUP database was analyzed. A total of 53,548 RSG cases were included in analysis. Surgeries took place from accredited centers in the USA from 2015 to 2019. Conclusions Preoperative anticoagulation, renal failure, COPD, and OSA were found to increase in the risk for transfusion requirements after SG. Receiving a transfusion and smoking increased the risk for leak. Staple line reinforcement significantly decreased transfusion and leak rates. Staple line oversewing did not have an impact on bleeding or leak. Next article is from International Journal of Surgery The Surgical Patient of Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, a time trend analysis based on a cohort of 8.7 million surgical patients. Background Global healthcare delivery is challenged by the aging population and the increase in obesity and type 2 diabetes. The extent to which such trends affect the cohort of patients the authors surgically operate on remains to be elucidated. Comprising of 8.7 million surgical patients, the American College of Surgeons, ACS, National Surgical Quality Improvement Program, SCUP, database can be analyzed to investigate the echo of general population dynamics and forecast future trends. Material and Methods The authors reviewed the ACS and SCUP database, 2008-2020, in its entirety, extracting patient age, BMI, and diabetes prevalence. Based on these data, the authors forecasted future trends up to 2030 using a drift model. Results During the review period, median age increased by 3 years, and median BMI by 0.9 kg M2. The proportion of patients with overweight, obesity class I, and class II rates increased. The prevalence of diabetes rose between 2008, 14.9%, and 2020, 15.3%. The authors forecast the median age in 2030 to reach 61.5 years and median BMI to climb to 29.8 kg M2. Concerningly, in 2030, 8 of 10 surgical patients are projected to have a BMI above normal. 
Diabetes prevalence is projected to rise to 15.6% over the next decade. Conclusion General population trends echo in the field of surgery, with the surgical cohort aging at an alarmingly rapid rate and increasingly suffering from obesity and diabetes. These trends show no sign of abating without dedicated efforts and call for urgent measures and fundamental restructuring for improved future surgical care. Next article is from Journal of the American College of Surgeons. State Firearm Laws and Rate of Assault-Related Firearm Death Background Studying firearm-related mortality is important to reduce preventable firearm death in the U.S. This study aims to determine the relationship between firearm laws and assault death with firearms. Study Design This ecologic study used public data from the CDC wide-ranging online data for epidemiologic research on decedents age 18 years or older who died from assault with firearms between 2009 and 2018 in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. The outcomes were the rate of mortality per 100,000 persons from assault death by firearm used. Exposures of interest included the presence of seven state firearm laws extracted from the RAND State Firearm Law Database. Welch's t-tests were performed to compare mean mortality rate in states with each firearm law to states without each law. Results There were 114,945 deaths from assault with firearms from 2009 to 2018. States with stand-your-ground laws had a higher assault mortality rate from all firearms and from other slash unspecified firearms than states without stand-your-ground laws, p equals 0.026, p equals 0.023. States with background checks for private sales of handguns and long guns had a lower assault mortality rate from handguns and rifles, shotguns, and large firearms, respectively, than states without either law, p equals 0.019, p equals 0.030. Conclusions Stand your ground laws are correlated with a higher rate of gun-related assault death, but background checks on private sales are correlated with a lower rate. Future studies should elucidate the specific pathways by which state laws reduce, or fail to reduce, firearm-related assault death. Next article is from Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. Institutional Outcomes of Blunt Liver and Splenic Injury in the Arizona-Texas-Oklahoma-Memphis-Arkansas Consortium Era Background The Arizona-Texas-Oklahoma-Memphis-Arkansas Consortium Practice Management Guideline was created to standardize management of blunt liver or spleen injury across pediatric trauma centers. We describe our outcomes since guideline adoption at our institution and hypothesize that blunt liver or spleen injury may be managed more expeditiously than currently reported without compromising safety. Methods A retrospective cohort study was conducted on patients younger than 18 years presenting with blunt liver and or splenic injuries from March 2016 to March 2021 at one participating center. Results A total of 199 patients were included. There were no clinically relevant differences for age, body mass index, or sex among the cohort. Isolated splenic injuries, N equals 91, 46%, and motor vehicle collisions, N equals 82, 
41%, were the most common injury and mechanism, respectively. The overall median length of stay, LOS, was 1.2 days, interquartile range, 0.45 to 3.3 days. Intensive care unit utilization was 23%, and equals 46. There was no statistically significant difference in median loss among patients with isolated solid organ injuries, regardless of injury grade. There were no readmissions associated with non-operative management. Conclusion The Arizona-Texas-Oklahoma-Memphis-Arkansas Consortium Guideline fosters high rates of non-operative management with low intensive care unit utilization and loss while demonstrating safety in implementation, irrespective of injury grade. Next article is from the American Journal of Surgery. Comparison between non-surgical and surgical management of rib fractures in major trauma patients without brain injuries. Background. This study aimed to evaluate the different outcomes between the non-surgical and surgical groups in patients with major trauma without brain injuries. Methods. This study prospectively collected data from patients with traumatic rib fractures without brain injuries from June 2017 to November 2019. The primary outcomes were the pain score at admission and discharge and the length of hospital stay. We performed multiple regression analysis to compare the outcomes and surgical risk as the severity of chest trauma between both groups. Results 53 patients were enrolled. There was no statistically significant difference in baseline characteristics between both groups. However, the surgical group had more severe chest trauma than the non-surgical group. After the analysis, the pain score improved significantly in the surgical group. The hospital stay of the surgical group was four days shorter than that of the non-surgical group, and there was severe chest trauma in the surgical group. Conclusions Surgical management of rib fractures can reduce pain and hospital stay in major trauma patients. Next article is from World Journal of Surgery. Management and Outcome of Blunt Pancreatic Trauma, a Retrospective Cohort Study. Background. Pancreatic injury is rare, but it has a high mortality rate and its optimal treatment remains controversial. This study aimed to evaluate the clinical characteristics, management strategies, and outcomes of patients with blunt pancreatic injury. Methods. This retrospective cohort study was performed on patients with a confirmed blunt pancreatic injury who were admitted to our hospital from March 2008 to December 2020. The clinical characteristics and outcomes of patients receiving different management strategies were compared. The risk factors for in-hospital mortality were evaluated by performing a multivariate regression analysis. Results A total of 98 patients diagnosed with blunt pancreatic injury were identified, with 40 patients having undergone non-operative treatment, NOT, and 58 patients having undergone surgical treatment, ST. The overall in-hospital deaths were 6, 6.1%, including 2, 5.0%, and 4, 6.9%, in the NOT and ST groups, respectively. Pancreatic pseudocysts occurred in 15, 37.5%, and 3, 5.2%, of the NOT and ST groups, respectively, 
showing a significant difference between the two groups, p less than 0.001. In the multivariate regression analysis, concomitant duodenal injury, or equals 14.42, 95% c1.27 to 163.52, p equals 0.031, and sepsis, or equals 43.47, 95% c, 4.15 to 455.75, p equals 0.002, were independently associated with in-hospital mortality. Conclusions Except for the higher incidence of pancreatic pseudocysts in the NOT group than in the ST group, there were no significant differences in the other clinical outcomes between the two groups. Concomitant duodenal injury and sepsis were the risk factors for in-hospital mortality. Thank you for listening to this week in surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.